Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with friends and family about their favorite childhood movies. And we have a very special guest today and a very special movie that I had personally not thought about in a really long time, so I'm excited to to talk more about it. Um, And I'll hand it over to Eleanor to introduce our guest and our movie. All right. Our guest today is Kalika Price, who is based in Los Angeles. Um, I'll let her tell us a little bit more about her background. And the movie she'll be talking about with us today is the one and only First Kid. So, Kalika, tell us us some background information, fun facts about you. Y'all are hilarious. Um, first of all, I, I like the the play on words with the title of your of your podcast. Good, what is it? Good film hunting instead of goodwill hunting. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so I'm uh, you know 25 years old, a quarter of a century old, living in LA and um, adulting, as they say. I work for a pretty large healthcare organization out here in LA. And I work as a junior project manager um, in ambulatory operations, which basically has to do with how the clinics run. Um, so I obtained my master's just recently from uh, USC in healthcare administration, and then got my bachelor's before that in business administration from UCR, which is about an hour east of here. Um, so yeah, some interesting things about me is that I grew up in uh Lamore, California, which is about a three-hour ride away from L.A., but I actually spent about four and a half years in Japan, so that was really interesting to wow. live in another country yeah, when I was a younger child. And then another interesting fact about me is that, as you stated, my last name is Price, and I actually went to the USC Seoul Price School of Public Policy. So I like to joke with a lot of people and tell them that I'm related to the person who our school is named after. And some people actually believe me um, for a little bit until I, I, I break the ice on them and tell them we're not actually related. So funny. I would do the exact same thing. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Before we start talking about our movie tonight... We always start with our favorite pop culture things of the week. So, would someone like to start? Okay. I, I'm i going to say two things. Well, one of the things that Kalika didn't mention was that she hosts these really incredible Instagram, Facebook video series. The current one being 31 Flavors of Fall, which I had the privilege of guesting on. And it's pretty incredible, so I'll let her talk about that. But my favorite pop culture thing of the last week, I'm obsessed. So last Wednesday, I went to go see the musical Bright Star. And so this is a musical written by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell. And I'm obsessed. It's bluegrass music. I love Steve Martin. I went in knowing nothing about the storyline, not having listened to any of the music, and now it's essentially the only thing I listen to. So that's my thing of the week. Nice. Um, well, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, I don't know, I don't really watch a lot of television, to really be honest. Um, I do a lot of like uh, Netflix and whatnot, and so I'm kind of always behind, but... 
one of the more interesting things that I did in, in relation to, to pop culture this past week was that I went to a taping of Lip Sync Battle. So that was really cool. So fun. Yeah, LL Cool Jen person and Chrissy Teigen and the guest stars were Naya Rivera and uh, Lil Del Rail or whatever his name is from the movie Get Out, if y'all are familiar with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> was it fun to watch, like to be in the audience? Yeah, it was. It wasn't my first time going to a taping, but oh. um, yeah, it was my first time going to a taping of a show like that, I guess is how I should preface that. Um, it was very much like the audience was very much involved and clapping and a lot of music, of course, going on because they're lip syncing to different, you know, songs that are that are relevant and sometimes not relevant. Sometimes they're old as dirt but you know they still hold some prevalence in our society when people hear them so that was really fun. okay quick question for you before I share mine did they like do retakes like did they get a chance to lip sync more than once you know what it was pretty much shut all the way through really there there was like the cast or the people that were on there did really really good there weren't any mess ups and I don't know if that's, like, on purpose, like, they tell them, like, you only get one shot, right? Um, you know, Eminem style, I don't know, uh-huh. but everybody did, everybody did one take for, for everything, pretty much. That's pretty impressive, I have to say. It makes me yeah. appreciate that show more. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so my pop culture thing of the week, actually, I was just, like, reading about it today, John Stamos is engaged, and I'm just, like, really happy for him. I feel like... It's kind it kind of, of broke my heart, but whatever. But Eleanor, <laughs> it's his happy ending. You know what I'm talking about? And she seems like a good person. Like, I think it's a good thing. Hmm. Yes, I only want the best for him. Even if it can't be you, <laughs> Eleanor. Even if it can't be you. Right? She sounds so excited. <laughs> I know. I know, I saw that. I mean, I guess it was cute that he proposed at Disneyland. So, I'll give him that. But again, he didn't propose to you, so Deep John, we hate him. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Obviously. I have many strong feelings about this. Yes, I know. Okay, so, Kalika, you chose the first kid. First of all, can you give us a brief synopsis of this movie? Yeah, so First Kid is an old... um, Disney movie that first came out in about 96. So I was, since I'm 25, obviously I was born in 92. So I was about four years old when this movie came out. And um, basically what it's about is that um, his character's name is Sammy Sims and he works for the Secret Service. Um, However, in his previous life, he was a boxer. But you don't find that out until a little bit later in the movie. And so um, he's working as a Secret Service agent, and he's kind of like the goofball of all of the Secret Service agents. And um, point in the movie, uh, the first kid, obviously the president's son, he has a Secret Service agent who's assigned to him. However, he's quite abusive. Um, and his mom says, oh, I don't ever want you watching my son again assign somebody you know who can deal with kids and so of course they put you know sims on on watching uh the kid and uh basically they come together and they kind of butt heads in the beginning because 
the kid really is like a jerk. Like he does everything to kind of um, prank Sinbad and make him look bad in his role. And uh, basically everybody around him is looking at him crazy because he's supposed to be protecting the first kid. And so he has to go to school with him and everything like that. And school's kind of a culture shock for um, for the kid, for Luke. And um, basically he has to deal with a, a bully there. And he gets into a fight one day with the bully. And Sims is off in the background watching from the back. And he basically lets the fight proceed. And next thing you know, uh, Luke gets popped in the mouth by... Uh, by the other kid who's his bully and that kind of starts the whole film like Sinbad kind of steps in and is like no you need to learn how to fight and basically takes him back to his old gym and teaches him how to box and teaches him some other life lessons such as dancing and different stuff like that and um, it's a really great movie Um, in the end I think Sinbad always, his goal was always, or his character's goal is to be assigned to the president. But somewhere along the line, he really actually does start liking um, Luke and grows attached to him. And in the end, there's a huge, like, pinnacle scene where um, Luke has been chatting with Secret Service agent, but he doesn't know it. So, of course, he goes to meet the Secret Service agent at the mall, and unbeknownst to him, the old Secret Service agent is trying to cause him harm. And um, Sinbad steps in and takes the bullet for for the first kid, and um, that's pretty much the movie. I think overall, it's a pretty it's a pretty great movie. It's one that I really liked to watch when I was a kid. What? Why did you choose this movie? Uh, you know, because there's so many movies to that stick out to people from their childhood, but what was this one? What did it mean to you in particular? You know, I just remember watching it all the time on Disney Channel, and it was just a movie that I really liked. Like, I really like Sinbad. I really like comedy, personally. Those are, like, the favorite, my favorite types of movies. And then, also, it was a movie that I enjoyed watching with my dad, because my dad likes Sinbad. And so I think that's why I just really enjoyed watching that movie so much because it was something that, you know, my dad could watch too and he really enjoyed watching it. And I think it's always a really great thing when, like, a parent can watch something with their child and it's not, like, too childish for, like, the parent to watch it, but they can enjoy it together. So I really like that about the film. Right. And I would would agree with that. I mean, and I think that's something – that unfortunately, at least for me, has been lost with like children's movies being made right now. It's like if we look at a movie like the Emoji movie, yeah, they had like big names that parents would know doing the voices, but the movie itself and the concept was so stupid that like I could not imagine sitting through that whole movie. Well, and that's something they've actually noted about with the particular screen culture the way it exists right now is parents do not have to kind of be aware of what their kids are watching. Because think about, like, when we were kids. If we were watching something in a room, just because, like, we wouldn't have watched something in our laps, like, with headphones, our parents would have overheard. And if they walked into a room, they would have wanted to hear things that they possibly would have also enjoyed. Which is part of the reason I think our mom let us watch as much 
full house as we wanted because she was like she trusted the moral material right whereas now kids and families like OCD about age-appropriate material and that's partially why so many of these movies and television shows for kids are dreadfully boring and so age-based you look at any any children's television programming now and it is painful to watch it's so bad because it's only like they can put it on their ipad they can put it on the phone and just put headphones on parents don't have to interact yeah i i totally agree with you like i i mean even looking at first kid and kind of what's what kind of goes on in that film like it's definitely something that an adult can watch and I feel like a, like a lot of the programming, at least that I grew up with, was that way. Like, there was real concepts that you could watch as a kid, but there was also real concepts that you could enjoy as an adult, too. And I feel like, like you all said, that's kind of been lost today. Like, everything is very childish. Like, one show in particular that I remember growing up, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but um, it was a Canadian show, and it was called In a Heartbeat. And basically, these kids were paramedics, and they were saving lives, and they were doing CPR, and all kinds of different stuff. And when you watch television these days, you see none of that. Everybody wants to dance. Everybody wants to sing. Everybody is semi-kind of annoying. And so it's very interesting, like, especially with me having two nieces and being around them sometimes, just comparing what... Uh, film and television looks like for them compared to what it looked like for me growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, two other points I wanted to kind of pull out based on what you said as the background of First Kid were were almost like tropes that were big in these 90 movies. So one that you said was like this jerk kid. So like he mm-hmm. was like what I remember about First Kid is it is understandable that Sinbad gets mad at him because he's the kid is mean. And yeah. so, and I feel like that was a big thing in the nineties was yes. that like we had kids who behaved badly. Like if we think about stuff like blank check or jungle to jungle or man of the house, we have these particularly like young Terrible. white boys who or Richie rich. Even. Yes. That would be another uh, one to add Richie to that. rich. Totally. Um, little rascals. We get a, move some of that into there too but it's these particularly little boys who are mean to adults in particular but just generally like mean people and then moral lesson they get into tons of hijinks but they never really get in like serious trouble so i wonder what that says about the 90s versus now oh interesting i hadn't thought about that yeah i hadn't either that's definitely um a good <laughs> a good uh, understanding there because yeah I've seen all of those movies that you just listed and I really like all those movies too I like Blank Check and I like Jungle to Jungle and I like Man of the House and there very much is um, this relationship between you know uh, being bad to adult figures and it, but in the end they always like grow close to one another and you know all is good with the world you know <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I mean, okay, so this movie, when we decided that we were going to do it, like, I haven't seen this movie in years, like, so long. Um, And I forgot 
I forgot that this movie, in a way, I would say, like, does teach kids empathy. Um, because I remember thinking that, like, even growing up thinking being the president's kid would be, like, such a cool position to be in. It would be, you know, this great thing. I'd have so many friends. And in this movie, it really shows that, like, that kind of celebrity and that life is not as easy as it seems. And, like, it wouldn't be as great as, as we think it would be. Um, which I do appreciate about it. Because he gets made fun of a lot, doesn't he? Are you talking about Luke or are you talking about... Luke. Seems. Yeah, um, I mean, he gets made fun of a lot by uh, Ro- uh, Rob, I think is the other kid's name, the bully's name. But, I mean, Luke actually has some pretty good things going from him, aside from Rob, because he um, basically falls in puppy love with, you know, one of yes. his other class, I believe her name is Karen, and um, Karen actually really takes a real interest in him. And I think that's kind of one of the things that spurs Rob and that he doesn't really like is that Rob actually likes Karen too, but Karen actually likes Luke. And um, and that's a big like point of contention with the film. And I think, you know, point of contention where the bullying comes in because he's like, oh, this nerd, like especially, if, I don't know if y'all recall the um, – the birthday party scene where it's Karen's birthday party and they're at the roller skating rink and, um, yes, kind of interact between each other. But also at the end of the movie where they have the school dance, like Rob's sitting off, um, at a table with his friends and they're looking at Luke dance with Karen. And of course everybody knows Luke can't dance like Sinbad attempts to help him learn how to dance, but clearly it's fallen on deaf ears and, and uh, a stiff body because he still hasn't picked up anything. And Rob's, of course, sitting there looking at him dancing with Karen and making fun of him because he can't dance. So funny. I feel like in the 90s, too, they did a lot with, like, white boys can't dance. Because I'm thinking back, too, to, like, (laughs) um, when we did Heavyweights, Eleanor, and I feel like it was, like, somewhat similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and it's, and it's even, that goes into, like, larger tropes of, uh, what is it, the term, the ter- the academic term is, like, the magical Negro, which is based off of the Will Smith character in The Legend of, of Bagger Vance, and it's, like, this, the idea that there's, like, a black male character who comes in and, like, helps a white person, usually a white man, to, like, achieve all of his, like, dreams, <laughs> Similar to the the concept of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, this idea that, like, if it's not a white male character, that they're made complete by these stereotypes of marginalized people in the terms of, like, women or people of color. So it's fascinating. That is super interesting. Hashtag nerd alert. (laughs) I love this stuff. (laughs) But, like, that is a play here. Sorry. Yeah, because I mean, Sinbad makes him cool. Like the idea is that the president's son should be cool because he is in a position, the ultimate position of privilege and power. But it's almost because he has so much because of his father that he can't, like, really. He a he can't be himself, and b if he were to show himself, he's not that cool. So he needs an older. Like, streetwise, 
man to show him how to behave and like how to dance and like how to be cool. But then like with this at the same time, and I, I think what this movie does specifically with the part with the former secret service agent capturing Luke and then Sinbad like coming to the rush rescue that this idea that like there's a real bond of connection. So that both the child and the sin like Sims grow and mature. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, this uh, is gonna be really mean of me, but I think that Baron Trump needs his own Sinbad. I just like feel oh, it for him and his life. <laughs> I didn't even think about that when I chose this movie. It's like art imitates life. <laughs> yeah. Had not thought of that either, but that's pretty perfect. And I really hope that there's a meme about that somewhere. <laughs> if not, we can make that meme, and then do we become meme famous? I think so. If it goes viral, yeah, a hundred percent. We're gonna, as long as like I mean, but okay. So then this goes to another point that I wanted to pull out from Kalika's earlier conversation about why she enjoyed this. And this was something. I had thought about when we were prepping the podcast co- like topic. One thing I find fascinating is if you look in the 90s and even into the early 2000s, we had this idea of like the fun presidential movie. So yes. you have movies like First Kid. We have stuff like My Date with the President, President's Daughter, which is great because yes. it has a guy from Boy Meets World and Eric or yes. Will Friedle. Will Friedle. Will Friedle. He's so talented. I want him to be in everything. Um, and I was thinking about, but even like the movie Dave and or Electin. Like we have ideas of political figures and they're fun and they're comedic. And that really does die off because you think about the most, re- oh, and in the early 2000s, they have the two female movies. It was Chasing Liberty and First Daughter. Yes. And those are both more yes. geared towards romance. Um, but we don't have any any presidential kid movies recently. And I wonder if that's because the Bush twins who were 18 when George W. became president in 2000. So, like, they were in college, but then if we think about that, we compare it closely to First Daughter and Chasing Liberty. And then starting in 2008, we have Malia and Sasha. And we, maybe because of the media saturation by the point we hit in 2008, like, if we wanted to get insight into their lives, for lack of a better term, we could access those images and access those pictures a lot easier. Whereas in the 90s, there was only, like, very carefully choreographed photo ops when someone would see Chelsea Clinton. Right. Well, that was for other reasons, because people didn't think she was a very good-looking child. Wait, really? You look at anyone in the 90s? Yeah, y'all never heard that? I mean, she was a little weird-looking in the sense that, like, she clearly didn't know how to, like, it was the type of thing she didn't know how to do her hair, which sucks because most people when they're 13 don't know how to, but it's horrible in that sense. And then I think it was like she had braces and stuff. And then you look now at 90s clothes and no one looked cool. <laughs> Except for TLC. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, but I mean, I see the point that you're making, Eleanor. I also wonder, too, if if it was also somewhat to, like, give them them privacy in a way. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's, like, I, and I mean, like, I think that Malia and Sasha are really cool and the Bush twins are really cool. But I also saw them as, like, kind of try, like these kids who were trying to live, like, their regular lives. So, like, I almost wanted to give them that. And so maybe I didn't need a movie that imagined their lives because I wanted them to just be living their lives anyway. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It seems, like, cruel at some level. But that's just me. Kalika, do you remember the first time you ever saw this movie? You know what? I don't. But I just remember that when I was younger, I watched a lot of Disney Channel, and I loved the Disney Channel original movies, and I loved a lot of the series that came on Disney Channel, like I was talking about, uh, what was it? What was I talking about? In a Heartbeat, and then So Weird, even though that scared the crap out of me when I was a child. Um, I'm sure y'all remember So Weird. Do you remember So Weird? Um, but yeah, I don't recall when I saw this movie. Like I said, I was four years old when it came out, but may have been, I don't know, slightly after that when I was around. Yeah. Yeah, there are movies, and it's funny now to think about with the streaming services, it's weird to remember how it was back in the day where you would drop in on a movie at any point. Because it would just be like where it came up when you turned on television or switched on the station. Yeah. And now it's like we have to plan in advance. Or it's, or it's like you would never be like, oh, like, shoot, I really wanted to see this movie, but I don't know when it'll be on again. So even <laughs> though it's 20 minutes in, I'll watch it now. Like, yeah. that would never happen. Yeah, that's very true. Was this a dis- oh, first kid? Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Eleanor. Was just want to also briefly mention. So I did a little bit of like you know like Wikipedia research. The kid who was in this was also played young Gordon Bombay in Mighty Ducks one and two, but he was also like kind of sketchy. I forget what it was. I'll have to like relook it up. But it was something like now he's like a motivational speaker, speaker or something like that. But he was like a Bitcoin. Bitcoin person and became yeah. famous for that. Yeah, he's like an entrepreneur now and he's um he's like some head person with Bitcoin. That's yeah. strange. Very, his, life, his life had a very interesting turn of events. Like I don't really know that he acted really too much after um these couple of films that he was in. Because I do remember him being in Mighty Ducks too. Um he was in a lot of the flashback scenes where they show um, Gordon skating on the ice and whatnot, but yeah, I don't know how he ended up in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. That's that that was an interesting turn of events for his life, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then, but also like he was okay. I'm reading now. He three young actors filed a civil lawsuit claiming he'd sexually abused them. He was arrested by other company executives by Interpol for like different skeezy work, and I'm like dang, you might, you probably should have just stayed with, like, child acting. 
Yes. Huh. I didn't I didn't read all that about him. <laughs> That's interesting you dug that up. But it's also now I yeah, I mean it's Wikipedia, so it's also like who knows. But even still I was like, hmm strange. So Very strange. strange. Very strange. I, okay, so if you were to write a plot of a presidential child movie, what would you want to see out of it? Are you asking me that? Like, what kind of high- Yeah, like, I'm just, like, for both of you, I'm, like, very genuinely interested. Like, ha- what would a first kid movie of 2017 look like? I feel like now... It's just like now it would just be somehow tied to terrorism, no matter what. Without a doubt. <laughs> well, for me, I think because um, even looking at, you know, Baron Trump and his life, I think he's a bit more hidden away. Mm. I think for me, it would just be like a real reflection of what um, a child in that t- position like goes through. So like, and it would be like a, a like a like the real deal thing because like when we were when you would see like Sasha and Malia, it wasn't until they got a little older they started like going out to these concerts and partying and visiting colleges and they're like oh look what they're doing now and look what they're doing they're doing this they're doing that and kind of the same thing with the Bush twins like they they had all their like crazy shenanigans stories I think that's what I would want to hear about the most because like obviously there's the you know president's kid that we see on television where they're all prim and proper and wearing their you know sunday best but then there's also them just being you know adolescents and growing up and experiencing the same things that a normal person would experience and what kind of trouble do they get into and like what what do they actually you know do with their lives or what does a day in their life look like you know does somebody wake them up at 8 a.m. in the morning and say, this is what you're going to wear today? Okay, here's your breakfast. We made it for you here. Like, what is it? What is their life? What do their lives actually look like? Yeah. Well, it would be interesting, too, like, this idea of, like, growing up in the public eye. What is What I found interesting, like, about a movie like First Kid as opposed to the movies that – about first children that are female-centered, so – um, Kissing Liberty and First Daughter, as well as arguably My Date with the President's Daughter, is that for female children, the idea of growing up is an act of like romantic rebellion. And it would be interesting to have that script kind of flipped and see if there's a way to make it more about female achievement a la Moana. I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm going to put it out there to any makers and screenwriters. Annie, get one of your students to write a screenplay that like somehow combines first kid and Moana. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. I'll see what I can do. Um, ten-year-olds are really... Yeah, ten-year-olds are really good at screenwriting. You have no idea. Um, Black, I see it. But um, I see it. I mean, truthfully, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm not that cool. I would definitely have a first. My screenplay would involve some sort of love story. I just want to see them all be happy. 
So <laughs> there would be love involved. And like Hashtag what empowerment, Annie. Why can't falling in love be female empowerment? I think choosing who you love is female is empowerment. Okay, if you find a if your ten year olds find a way to make this story empowering, I'll accept it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I will challenge my strong woman book club to do just that, so Oh my gosh. A postcard. What? That can be their prize. I'll send them a postcard. That will be their prize. They would love that. Okay, so we have to wrap up because I'm falling asleep per usual. <laughs> so, um, the she lives in Central Time. Started. I know. I'm sorry, Kalika. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. We need to start earlier. I wake up at like 4:45 in the morning, so I go oh to bed super early. Yeah, I'm okay. tired. Sorry, go ahead, Eleanor. So, let, so let's, to that end, let's talk. What is the legacy of this film, and would you recommend it to children today? To be honest, I don't know that there is a legacy for this film. Um, I think that the only way that this film is going to get passed down to um, the generation that came after us is if we show it to them. So, like, if I showed this movie to my nieces, they could watch it. Because the thing the thing about, like, Disney Channel and even Nick is that a lot of the stuff that we watched when we were growing up, they don't really show that. Um, they don't really show those programs too much anymore. And if they do show them, it's, like, 2 a.m. in the morning. So I think the only way for this film to be relevant is if, like, we chose to make it relevant and passed it on to them. Otherwise, if I asked them, oh, have you ever seen the movie First Kid or heard of it? They'd probably be like, what the heck is that? And then, you know, looking at Sinbad as an actor, Sinbad kind of died off as well. And he hasn't really been in too many projects recently. So um, I don't really know that the movie holds too much relevance today. However, one of the things that I did like about the film and thought was cool was their use of VR and flash forward to now, like seeing how prominent VR is becoming um, in our reality now. So that was a really interesting thing um, about the film. Eleanor? I would say, in terms of legacy, it's debatable. I think if we put in larger conversation, back to those two points about the jerk kid film of the 90s, and the style film series, I, it would obviously hold a very strong place in either. But in terms of individual merit, nah, debatable. It's more that I kind of forgot about Sinbad as a comedian. So again, like with the podcast research, I was like looking up and I was like, how did he become famous? And like, what is he doing now? And it's he uh, similarly like he's also fallen on hard times and has since declared bankruptcy. Oh, okay. Um, but like he was talented in this movie, so I would say as a way to cement Sinbad as a comedic force, yeah, I would recommend it. But <laughs> I'm still holding out for your students writing a Moana mashup, and that will be the legacy. Oh, and it will be a great one. It will be a great one. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, so I feel like with this movie, as you guys have kind of said, I don't know if there's like any super enduring legacy where it's like a movie that kids have to watch. Would I show it to students? Sure. I think it's pretty harmless. Um, other than maybe teaching kids some like evil things to do to adults, in which case I would get real upset at them. Um, but I mean, I do think it's funny. I do think it's entertaining. Um, I do like Sinbad. So... Those are all good things. Um, but anyway, okay. So now we have to choose where in the world would we go right now? Well, if I could choose anywhere, um, it'd probably be somewhere in Asia, but more specifically, I'd, I'd like to go back to Japan. Cause, okay. Like I said, I lived there. I lived there for about four and a half years and obviously experienced it when I was younger. I moved there when I was about two months old. So mm-hmm. I'd really like to be able to experience um, the country as an as an adult now. Yeah, Eleanor. Uh, well, part of me right now is all about like I would love the idea of fall in part because it's a hundred degrees. Um, is it really? <laughs> degrees we today before 3 p.m broke like three previous heat records um and it'll also be it will be the hottest world series on records because the first two games were or the dodgers are playing are in los angeles so it will be the hottest world series in history um that's insane so and my friend the other day, I don't know why she sent it to me, but she sent me this picture of, like, like fall in upstate New York. And I was like, oh, the leaves look pretty. And the idea of, like, maple syrup and, well, even our cousins who live in Maine, I saw on Facebook, they've been cold this time of year because we've been, I've been in Vermont over Columbus Day weekend, so I know it to be cold. But it looked charming and just like they were just wearing sweaters and there was sunshine. And I, I was like, I could do that. Like North new England right now or like upstate New York. I could do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. if I could choose, I think I'd go to Seattle and I think that's because I just bought flights there today and I've never been. And I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Voodoo donuts. Yeah. I'm really excited. It's like, Literally right after I finish Whole32, so I feel like that's, like, a great little, you know, you did it. Well, you don't know this, but the train of Whole30 started with Kalika. Really? (laughs) Thank you, Kalika. I feel so good. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's definitely an awesome thing to be able to clean up your diet, and I've done a couple of rounds, and I recommend and... Tell, but I always tell people get on it first. Like you can't just jump into it. Um, right. You need to really know what it is that you need to do in order to be successful. So I always tell people that. But yeah, it's a great thing to clean up your diet every once in a while. Yeah, big fan. Big fan. Okay, well, thank you so much, Kalika, for not only changing my diet but for being on the podcast. Um, well. So and I'll fun. change it back. Uh, if you watch Thirty One Flavors of Fall, you can see all the different fall items that I try every day, and uh, you might not want to go back to Whole Thirty. Okay, good. Yeah, maybe <sighs> not until I'm done, and then I'll jump back on. <laughs> I mean, I got to try pumpkin spice kombucha, so it was really exciting. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was so bitter. 
That's so awesome. I liked it. Okay, well, I have to run, but friends, it was so fun. Here's to say that. Thank y'all for both having me on the podcast. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming. Anytime. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Have a good night.